much is being made of fenny as the heritage liquor of goa i visited the adinko distilleries a family run business in the south i was fascinated to find that apart from fenny it makes over two dozen types of liquors including wine brandy rum whiskey gin and also chocolates the business is constantly innovating the processes categories and packaging joining us on the show today is solomon dennis the low profile boss of the distillery Solomon with so many categories of liquor your distillery is rather unusual isn't it how did it start Sandhya oh yes we uh, basically i am the fourth generation now and uh, the fenny business was started with my great great grandfather martin dennis and followed by domingo dennis and my dad alleluia and now it's me carrying on the legacy of my ancestors yes fenny has been very close to our heart It's not about making alcohol. It's just it's more like an emotion to us, and uh, making the right feeling uh, is something which we have always focused on. The same traditional methods, for example, are still being followed at the distillery. So if you can come any time, you will always see there's some four postils which are, you know, uh, always pouring out good feeling. And uh, coming to feeling, uh, there were. so many variations of fenny before which was served in various bars across goa now you can see no more of those variations like uh, in konkani we used to say ale jeere meere duchiri lemongrass so they were in my own mother's bar which was called adinko bar we had 15 different types of coconut fenny being served okay so these are all the botanicals that would be infused into the fenny yes so we'll get a uh, normal coconut fenny put it in different 15 different garafons and infuse them with all the botanicals and keep them and slowly then we put in smaller bottles and take it to the bar counter which today is called a speed rail and that's where they were being served yeah so garafons are those gorgeous huge glass bottles yes that i saw in the distillery yes oh, wonderful the, the, the garafons yeah okay so i want to step back a little bit to the origin of the adinko tavern or bar mm-hmm. and uh, i think the story starts from there yeah right i mean yes. the story the, of the modern day adinko distilleries begins from there yeah. so tell us how it started and i've heard that your mother played a very important role in it she did yes basically my dad had the license of a bar and it was there but after marriage this bar just took off with the lovely food my mother used to serve and she was mostly known for beef roast pork and all the vindalos and this is what uh, people used to come to savor it was a, it wasn't a bar bar as such those days it was more like a house and one of the rooms we used to serve and that's where most of the locals used to come to you know relish on her lovely food yeah what is her name her name is maria francisca concesan fernandes edinis but she was sweetly called connie connie yeah and what was the name of the tavern it was adinko bar adinko bar yeah and i heard there are plans for a revival yes uh, i'm seriously thinking of restarting the bar the way it is to be and just getting back those memories uh, it is Mm, a tribute to what my mother did those days, and to what Adinko is today, uh, with my parents' efforts. Adinko was a small tavern, and today 
has grown up to be a decent distillery and making good alcohol. And the same principles are being followed to churn out some wonderful liqueurs to port wines to whiskies and brandies. Yes, we have come a long way. So would it be right if I use your own tagline that what Adinko gives is the flavor of Goa in a bottle? Yeah, it would be correct. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to say Cabo today has become, so to say, a uh, takeaway of Goa. It's like, uh, which I didn't start it to be such, but people have made this as a takeaway because it's like Goa in a bottle, from its bottle design to the artwork on the bottle to everything inside it, its coconutty, and so much of Goa. So if anybody's going back to his hometown, they would definitely love to carry a bottle of Cabo. That's the distinctive white bottle. And there's a story behind the evolution of the bottle design, isn't it? The earlier design, many years ago, was not this coconut. No, it was. What was it? Cabo is actually a place down south in Goa, uh, where the Fort Cabo de Rama is. Now, Cabo de Rama Fort is uh, right on the cliff. And... Cabo also happens to be the birthplace of my mother. So I felt it was the right name to give for this brand back in those days. So the front label was the front side of the fort and the back label was the back side of the fort. So this is how the design was initially. But later it evolved to what it is today, depicting Goa in a bottle. And it's a beautiful white ceramic yeah. bottle with the coconut. Yes, it's a white glass bottle at the coconut end. The seashore and the birds flying and the sun setting. Tell me, you also make a very interesting wine, which is not commonly available anywhere else, the Mamtaz wine. What's the story behind Mamtaz? Mamtaz is a private label I'm doing for a very good friend of mine. Normally, we don't do private labels, but this gentleman uh, approached me and requested. I said, uh, his name is Mr. Ganeshan. And I said, Wow, for you, anything, Ganeshan. And what is that you want me to do for you? He said, I like your port wine. I want in my own name, wherein I want to market it as Montaz. And that's where I decided, okay, for you, I will do it. So is it something that you see becoming popular? I've heard that, for example, when people want to celebrate a special occasion, either a marriage or an anniversary or something, they ask for, uh, you know, limited edition special labels specifically made? Is it something that you also do at your distillery? Yeah, people do approach for special uh, labels, but it is not that easy because there are excise formalities for labels. So what we do is we do give them wine label with our brand, but they will remove the label and then at their homes, they will put their own label in a bottle uh, specifically which they want. Suppose the design of the bottle. They want around 50 bottles, 100 bottles, 200. They will give us the bottles. We will label them with our label S by size rules. But they will remove this once they are in their house and they'll put their own private labels for the occasion. So you've been doing making fenny, rum, wine, whiskies, brandies of various kinds. But over the last few years, I think your gins have taken quite a big leap forward. And uh, tell us how you got into making gin. Okay, that's an interesting story again. So the name of our brand is Tickle, Tickle Gin. 
So coming back to the story of the name, it goes back in 2009, wherein I was with my friends in one of the taverns in Panjim. I'm normally a beer drinker. I love my beers. So I, they were having their whiskey. So Solomon, what do you have? I said, I like my beer. So one of them said, Solomon, some they have something very hard. You know? why, why all? That's when I said, okay, I'll try a gin. To which uh, one of his friends said, oh, I'm feeling so ticklish. Uh, I said, wait a minute. I said, that's a nice name for a gin. So I immediately checked whether this name is available. And it was available. And that's how we came up with the name Tickle. So going forward in making the product itself, uh, I took a help from some of the fine distillers and this lady. Her name is Olga. She helped me in developing this gin. I told her I want it on certain lines and certain notes which have to be stronger. And I want the ticklish finish. So with, to which we came up with a raw mango thing infused in this gin. And... Finally, when the product was ready, it was really lovely. I would say it is really, it does tickle your taste buds. And that's a dry gin. Yes, it is. So what do you feel about this influx of gins that are happening in Goa? And how does tickle compare with the rest of the gin? See, uh, as an industry for gin, I would uh, say it is a very good thing that so many ideas, concepts, a young um, blood entering the industry. It is making India a platform for craft. As a whole, I'm so happy that today India can churn out some wonderful drinks. I always believe that India has the best botanicals and the best gin has to come from none other than India. And that is exactly what is happening. And given the price points, Indian gins are not less affordable. They are in fact more expensive than the imported ones. But still, this gin sell. Which goes to say that yes, the Indian consumer also has evolved is accepting indian brands that thing of mujhe videshi chahiye i want a foreign gin is not there anymore i would say at the same time we should take care in maintaining this quality and always notching it up and making it better and better so one day indian alcoholic brands will be truly recognized as some international quality products and you just launched a new variant of the tickle uh, yes, we have launched the Tickle Intense. So the Tickle Intense takes uh, three uh, kind of procedures. The normal Tickle is just cold press, which is taken to sub-zero and then we are extracting the botanicals. But in the Intense, we have cold extraction happening. Then we distill it. And in the final stage, we will see if any botanical is less or more. We will accordingly balance it through infusion. So it is a more complex and uh, much more palatable, more smoother, and one of the alcohol sommeliers, so to say, he compared it. Tickle uh, cold press is like a college boy to me, while the tickle intense is like a PhD guy to me. I, I love that light so much that I keep remembering it's, it's a very good comparison. Yeah. Solomon, is there any truth to the belief that more women than men prefer gin? Uh, it was earlier a feminine drink considered more like gin is like actually gin is like a flavored vodka actually it was termed that but I wouldn't say today it is just a feminine drink but I would say it's a unisex drink so everybody is enjoying gin today whether it's a boy or a girl it doesn't matter it's people just love a good drink right so let's talk about your uh, new whiskey Earlier too, you were making whiskeys, but what is very different? Why have you positioned your latest 
Kotumbi Reserve in a special manner? Kotumbi is uh, the place where we distill and do everything. The region, the village name is Kotumbi. That's in South Goa. Yes. It's on the banks of the river Pushavati. And uh, this is where my forefathers did their thing. So it was a lot of weight to do justice to this name. So thinking about it, we said we have to have the right USP for this whiskey. We have to do something very different, which is never tried. And taking all these points into account, three years back we started, uh, more than three years, sorry. We started to work on this. Today the whiskey is out in the market a couple of months back. But uh, the journey was quite interesting. The main aspect of this whiskey is that normally for a bourbon whiskey, a peated, they will use the oak tree. They will char the oak barrels, they will burn them and then uh, put the whiskey for maturation and that's it. What we did differently is I didn't want a wood. So the best alternate for that was the coconut shell. So we charred the coconut shell, infused in uh, wax, and this infusion was kept for two months. And there was a normal uh, whiskey also, which was made, uh, which was neutral without any chard. So after distillation, this charred whiskey was then added to the normal whiskey. This, uh, after putting it in the bigger vat, the both whiskies were combined, and it was kept for an year for it to mature along with the oak. Uh, infusions that in terms of chips we used to use. So we use a deep roasted oak chip, we use a vanilla toasted oak chip and a neutral oak chip. So over the period of 12 months, the whiskey mellows down and becomes a nice uh, rounded up and so palatable. It's not very peated. It's not a blended whiskey either. It's just normal. It's not a normal blended whiskey, I would say. But it's a nice combination of Chard and blend coming in great uh, sense of flavors coming up together to give that nice uh, chard taste to your whiskey. It has a very, very mellow and very oopsie, you know, aftertaste. Yes. Yeah, it's very nice indeed. Okay. So this comes from the nut itself. The coconut uh, is a non porous wood, so it has so much of uh, so many notes in it, which the oils which come, it's all from the the coconut shell itself and i would say proudly i'm so happy to be making this probably one of the first whiskey in the world which has used coconut shell to char the whiskey congratulations on that that's quite an innovative and uh, only a passionate distiller would have come up with that thing i think <laughs> thank you thank you sir. so you know i'm very partial to the liquid chocolates that i had uh, the opportunity to taste tell us how you got involved in that this was in the year around 2013 or 14. I don't exactly remember. When uh, uh, we thought of surrogate branding was required to market our liquors. So everybody comes with a water, some soda, or some other collateral, like a music CD or something. I came up with chocolate. And what a beautiful combination of alcohol and dark chocolate. So what we do, we... we, we then I have any policy to manufacture liquor chocolates. So the Goa Excise Department, I sat with the commissioner and he was very open-minded, very helpful. He was such a gentleman and he just got done in less than six months. The policy came out. We were one of the first license holders and we are the only license holders to manufacture liquor chocolates in India right now. And the chocolates are doing pretty well by themselves. 
Of course, it helps the branding, but it has become a business by itself in its own identity, which we never saw. It was just an idea to market. But people have so well accepted the chocolate, it has become a business by itself today. Yeah. Wonderful. So I just step back a little bit to the point where we started this conversation to talk about the Fennies. You know, I've been reading that uh, Fenny earlier, it was just considered a one-time thing. People visiting Goa would just take it to mm. feel, let me experience it. But after that, they would not be very fond of drinking it. And it was considered a very harsh drink. How is it now that it's becoming more acceptable? What do you think is happening? I know there are other distillers who have taken it upon themselves to push this heritage branding. So all of it must also actually rest a lot on how the taste of Fenny is evolving. Is there any change in the way Fenny is being distilled? No, there is no change in the way Fenny is being distilled. The traditional distillers who are very passionate, who wants to you know, benchmark Fenny in the international shell space, they will not cut corners, they will not take shortcuts. It will be followed the way it has to be done. Yes. Feeny as a drink, if you just drink it neat, people, many people will find it very strong and not something which is very palatable. But uh, with the new trend of cocktails coming on the shelves, on the bar counters, so it has become more palatable. People are enjoying Feeny. They love the, all the concoctions which are being churned out by the very lovely bartenders across Goa today. Yes, and that's what has made Feeny more acceptable. People are loving it. And Feeny now, because of the branding and young minds coming in the picture, we have elevated the quality of the Feeny, the way it is manufactured, standardization of the processes, which has helped to make Feeny as a brand by itself. Feeny was lost because of the shortcuts and the method it was produced. So people had shifted to other alcohols. But it's good to see Feeny coming back and uh, people really enjoying it. Are you planning to do anything more in the space of Fenny to celebrate the heritage? Yes, uh, we have come with something very unique again. As I told earlier, my mother is to have 15 variations of coconut Fenny. So we are trying to put up a small tasting room in the distillery space, wherein it is completely uh, cut out from the main distillery. It is more in the, amongst the coconut trees. In this room, we will show how Fenny's had the combinations of food pairing of the variation. For example, if you have plain coconut Fenny, those days, many people used to have a chana or a small snack, maybe pickle also. So we are trying to document all that and bring how the Fenny's used to be had. And this will be in this small room, showcasing how it was before. Many of this one even had uh, medicinal values. So if anybody had a very sore throat or a headache, they will use a normal coconut fin. And uh, yes, it is to work wonders, especially the jira feeny was used. When you had fever, it should be applied on your, on your belly button and just to help a lot. So whether it is consumed as a drink or applied on any part of the body, yeah. feeny worked its magic. Yes, it did. Do you specialize only in coconut fenny or do you also do cashew fenny? We do cashew fenny as well, but as you know, it's a seasonal drink. It's just three months of uh, the fruit that we get. So we do this uh, in another property in a place called Sange, where we distill cashew fenny for three months in this very secluded area 
secluded part of Goa. And that's it. After that, the postels are lying vacant. So we'll use it for coconut finning for the rest of them. Fantastic. And what I did notice when I visited the distillery was the number of young people, boys and girls, mm-hmm. in their colorful attire, working on the, you know, the bottling and the various processes of yeah. the brand being sent out to the market. How many of these people do you employ? And is it like an all-year-round employment? Yes. We mainly focus on being women-powered. So we have 90% women workforce in our factory so having ladies is small like they won't drink much <laughs> <laughs> so there's less pilferage of your own liquor yeah and uh, also the men they will be handling the more uh, laborious work which the woman might not be able to handle so we have 10 percent of the man force and yes uh, see my strength is my workforce they are so dedicated they will check to every detailing how it is. We have to just show them once and they will set the standards right from first bottle to the hundred bottle. And it will be day in and day out, 365 days. There are no shortcuts. And I'm so happy to be blessed with such a workforce who love their work. And they're all from the village and surrounding areas. So it's more like a family to us. Wonderful. Thank you for your time, Solomon. And here's wishing you luck in your new adventures with Adinko Distilleries. Thank you, Sandhya. It was a pleasure. I really thank you for this opportunity you have given me. And God bless you as well. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya as much as I did. Do subscribe to the podcast. I would love to hear from you. The links are in the bio below. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest. Until then, take care and bye-bye.